Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 10, verse 28. This is the Essential Bible Studies Podcast. My name is Josh Hodge. He's being joined by Tim Young. <laughs> welcome to the podcast again, Josh. Thank you. We'd like to welcome all the Bible students back here to this subject of hell. As we were talking about, this is the podcast that puts the aha into Bible study. And we're thinking this this one is really one of those moments. That's right. That's right. We've got a good topic. Really, it's part two of the topic of hell. It's a big topic in the Bible. Uh, last podcast, we tackled two words, Sheol and Hades. So oftentimes when those words are used in the Bible, they're translated as hell. In some versions, they're transliterated. Yeah. Their sounds are brought through and you'll actually read the word Sheol and Hades. Now, Sheol is the Old Testament word. It's the Hebrew word. And Hades is the New Testament word. And it's the Greek word. And last time we looked at how these words are used, and really it's a place for the dead, the good and the bad, the righteous and the wicked. We have the example, Jacob, a righteous man, he went to, or he was anticipating on going to Sheol. And then we looked at, okay, what's it like when you're there? Yeah. And you're completely unconscious. Yeah. You know, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. No praise to God. That's right. Yeah. No knowledge or wisdom. No knowledge or wisdom. Love or envy. Really, the grave or Sheol or Hades has a power, a yeah, power yeah. over us in that sense. But the Lord Jesus Christ came and we ended how that he had power over Sheol and Hades. He had overcome the grave, was resurrected, and he can ultimately grant us life, which is what we're hoping for. But there's this other word, Gehenna. Mm, yeah. And that's what we want to spend our time on right now. Right, because like Sheila and Hades had no association with fire at all. Right, association with worms and darkness and dust and corruption and stuff, but nothing about fire. Nothing about fire. So if if you wanted something about fire, this was the podcast. Yeah, Yeah. you're listening to the right podcast. (laughs) We're on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So Gehenna, let's talk about it. Just to break this word down, it's referring to a place. Actually, just outside of Jerusalem. And we might read something in the Bible, and it will be referring to a place called the Valley of Hinnom. And that's what Gehenna is. It's this valley just outside of Jerusalem. And it's composed of two different Hebrew words, valley and Hinnom, and it's Gi and Hinnom. And so in the New Testament, you might read Gehenna. It's that same place, Valley of Hinnom or Gehinnom. And it's just referring to outside of Jerusalem. Now we're going to get into, okay, so how does this have to do with fire? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll start off with a couple of definitions. Right, because one of the great Bible study tools we can have is a Bible dictionary. I was sort of funny they call them dictionaries because they're not really like word meanings. They're more like encyclopedias, aren't they? <laughs> yes. You can look up anything in them, people, places, things, and they'll have like a short article in there, like an encyclopedia. When you go under 
this idea of hellfire in some of these Bible dictionaries. You usually get a description of, like you were saying, that this is an actual place outside of Jerusalem. So I like to just read from one. I have one called the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery, and I always like their description of it. It says, The best-known biblical image for hell derives from a deep, narrow gorge southeast of Jerusalem called Geben Hinnom, or the Valley of Ben Hinnom, in which idolatrous Israelites offered up child sacrifices to the gods Molech and Baal. Josiah defiled the valley to make it unacceptable as a holy site, after which it was used as a garbage dump by the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And as a result, the valley of Ben Hinnom became known as the dump heap, the place of destruction by fire in Jewish tradition. The Greek word Gehenna, hell, commonly used in the New Testament for the place of final punishment, is derived from the Hebrew name for this valley. There we are. (laughs) A a location southeast of Jerusalem. Yeah. So in Bible dictionaries, like I think all the ones that I looked up mentioned this as like a physical location outside of Jerusalem. Unger's is also a Bible dictionary. It's a pretty popular one, yeah. And it says something quite helpful, I think. I'm just going to quote the part about what it became, because there was what it was. We're going to look at some verses about uh, what it started off as. But Unger says, It became the common cesspool of the city, into which its sewage was conducted to be carried off by the waters of the Kidron. In later times, it served as a receptacle for all sorts of putrefying matter, and all that defiled the holy city, and so it became the representative or image of the place of everlasting punishment, especially on account of its ever-burning fires. So there we got the fire. Yeah, so it's like dumps today, like they generate these gases and they catch fire, they just burn, and they can't put them out. And for the Jewish mind, like, when you died, you want to be buried properly. It was very important to them. But anybody who was like a common criminal or those kind of things, they wouldn't get a proper burial. They'd just be thrown into the dump heap to be burned up, right? So terrible thought for any sort of Jew, let alone us, (laughs) thinking about that. But that's the imagery that is used for it. It's clearly an awful place. And as we go through some of these verses, we're going to see that it's actually even more awful than maybe we've already articulated. So, how we go to our first verse in Second Chronicles 33, verse 6, and just as we turn it up, just to reiterate, in the Old Testament, we typically see it as the Valley of Hinnom. Sometimes we see it as the word Topheth. You'll see those are, are parallel terms. And in the New Testament, we've got this word Gehenna, and it's translated hell or hellfire sometimes, at least in the King James Version. But let's see what happens here in Second Chronicles 33 and verse 6. So it says there, and he, this is Manasseh, he's one of the kings of Judah. And he says, very wicked king of Judah. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Terrible. Like, yes. And we're about to see that in this yeah, verse. Yeah. It says he caused his children to pass through the fire. Where? In the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also, he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcraft and dealt with familiar spirits, with wizards. He wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. So, you know, as you were saying, Tim, this was a wicked king and that's how God saw him. He saw him as a wicked king. 
But we read about the Valley of Hinnom, and what was happening there was Manasseh would take his children and he would cause them to pass through the fire. And he did this because he thought he was serving these false gods. Right. Molech, right? Molech. Yeah. Baal. It was just awful. Yeah. Absolutely awful. And I mean, I have one daughter. You have three. Three. Yeah. Unmanageable. <laughs> I, it's, yeah, unimaginable. about that. Yeah. That somebody would do that. Yeah. The ESV says he burned his sons as an offering in Gehenna, the Valley of the Son of Hinnom. So there's always this association with fire yes. in Gehenna, right. which is interesting because we're going to see fire associated later on. But it's almost as if the fire that they're doing, which is so wicked, is going to be judged by fire, and kind of ironically yes, in that way. Right? So, but this place becomes so so decrepit, so terrible. Like it's just not Manasseh who did that here, right? This became the place to do all of these kind of wicked works. But there was a righteous king who came along. His name was King Josiah. And he thoroughly purged this place. It says this in 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 10. Thankfully, he came along. Thankfully, he came along. And it says that he defiled Topheth. So you told us before that Topheth, and you can see this through scripture, is the valley of the son of him, of course. Says it right there, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> he defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, that no one might burn his son or his daughter as an offering to Molech. He completely turned that whole thing around so that place was no longer uh, acceptable. Like he defiled it somehow to make it unacceptable for even them to do these wicked works there. But still, that association stuck. To this valley, didn't it? It did. Yeah. It did. And you might ask, like, what does it mean to defile? You know, it doesn't okay. articulate too much about what Josiah did. But there's a, a verse later on. It talks about how he filled this you know, a number of places with the bones of men. He was burning the bones, wasn't he? Um, does it say he was burning the bones? It, oh, maybe I'm... I, he filled their places with the bones of men, verse 14. It's quite possible. Well, it's verse 20. He sacrificed all the priests of the high places who were there on the altars and burned human bones on them. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Oh, there we go. Basically, he was trying to make this place so that nobody wanted to be there. This is not where you're going to do anything, including this false practice of passing your children through the fire. Right. And this was such a wicked practice that God in Jeremiah chapter 7, let's just turn to Jeremiah chapter 7. He's going to rename this place. And again, there's going to be some irony there, as you mentioned, Tim. Mm. Because this was a place that fire was used to do a wicked practice. And it says in verse 31, maybe yeah. we'll start. They have built the high places of Tophet. So uh, that was just mentioned when we were talking about Josiah, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not. So this was a practice God did not like. And then it says, verse 32, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be called Tophet, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter. For they shall bury in Tophet till there be no place. And God was going to bring judgment on his people, 
yeah. that were living there for this very practice and other wicked practices. And he says it's going to be called the Valley of Slaughter because another nation is going to come. And they're going to bring you into captivity. They're going to destroy you. And many of you will die there. And so this will be called the Valley of Slaughter. So much so that verse 34 says this land will become desolate. And God uses what was happening there, this destruction of these children, to tell the people, you are going to be destroyed. Right. I have an interesting cross-reference off of that. It's in Isaiah 30 and verse 30 and 33. Just to compare that with what Jeremiah is saying, he's saying this is going to be a place of future judgment. Isaiah speaks about it in the same way. Now, it doesn't mention the valley of the son of Hinnom. But he mentions this other place, Topheth, which is in the Valley of the Son of Hinnom. Right? right. And I like this one because it shows that fire is going to be used by God for future judgment. Mm. And he's going to be using this term in a certain way. So it's in Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 30. It says, And the Lord will cause his majestic voice to be heard, and the descending blow of his arm to be seen in furious anger, and a flame of devouring fire with a cloudburst and storm and hailstones. So here we see God coming in judgment with flame of devouring fire. Now, in the context in Isaiah's time, it's against the Assyrians that he's coming, and the Assyrians are going to be scared and they're going to be destroyed. So he's talking about a future judgment. Now, when you get into prophecy and those kind of things, you pick up that this is like, the last days symbology here. It's not just talking about Assyrians during Isaiah's day, but it has a application also to the final times when Jesus Christ comes back in Armageddon. And very interestingly, in verse 33, this is fascinating. It says, for a burning place has been long prepared. I'm reading from the ESV. It says a burning place has been long prepared. But the King James says, it says Tophet. Tophet. That's our place, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> Tophet has been prepared or ordained of long ago, right, in the yes, King James. Yes. And so Isaiah is saying that this place, Tophet, the valley of Ben-Hinnom, and the ESV recognizes this as a burning place, has long been prepared. Indeed, for the king, it is made ready. That's the king of Assyria. Its pyre made deep and wide with fire and wood in abundance. The breath of the Lord, like a steam of sulfur, kindles it. So this is where we're getting introduced to the subject of fire in terms of Gehenna is a future judgment. And surely not every Assyrian was actually going to die in Tophet. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's an oh, analogy. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. And I think this analogy of fire and this location of where fire was and being associated with God's judgment will become a little bit more clear as we look at some other passages. Because those were all the Old Testament patterns, not all of them, but those right. are the ones we're going to look at. Now we're going to transition to the New Testament and see how the Lord Jesus Christ uses this place. And we should just recall the definitions, how this place became a place where refuge and garbage and the filth of the city was put just south of Jerusalem. And there would be fires there to burn that garbage. So let's go to Mark chapter 9, because the Lord Jesus Christ uses this place, and he says, it's probably worth reading verse uh, 42, 
of Mark 9, Jesus says, Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. That's really graphic language, but the Lord Jesus Mm. is saying, you know, don't cause somebody to go astray. If you're that person, you're doing something really, really damaging. Yeah. And then he says in verse 43, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Mm. Now we might ask the question, okay, where's Gehenna? Where's the Valley of Hinnom there? That word hell is the word Gehenna. And Ge being valley, henna, hinnom. Yeah, I have that as a little marginal note. Greek, Gehenna. So there we are. And then it's associated with this fire that shall never be quenched. In fact, in this context, it says it three times. A fire that's never quenched. But we've got some language here, Tim, that just can't be literal. So we have this unquenchable fire fire that can't be quenched. But it also goes on to say, there's worms that don't die. And the Lord Jesus is also talking about, okay, if your hand offends you, cut it off. And later he says, if your eye offends thee, pluck it out. So we've got some language here that can't be literal. So yeah, I agree with you. Like in verse 48, it says this place hell or Gehenna, it's a place where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, like you were saying, Jesus Christ is just not describing this place out of the blue. It has a history and background, which we've already looked at in the Old Testament. And what Jesus is doing there is quoting from the Old Testament. I don't know if you realize that, but in verse 48, he's taking language from Isaiah. And it's very helpful for us to go back there because I think that's what he was wanting his hearers to associate with this place, right? And so it's in Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 24. Now, Isaiah 66 is talking about these new heavens and the new earth. It's talking about the kingdom of God in the future. Hmm. And the very last, this is the very last verse of Isaiah, by the way, it says, and they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against me, for their worms shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. So Isaiah is referring to, again, a future judgment right before the kingdom as these men are rebelling against Christ and against the saints. They will be destroyed in warfare, right? So it is a time of great fire, but these worms that do not die, it, I don't think it means that there's immortal worms. Right. They'd be very big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe they wouldn't be very big, but it's just it's just a place where there's so many bodies that the worms just continue on and on because there's so many dead there. And really, the association with fire for this place comes up in Isaiah 66, verses 15 and 16. Some language that we've seen used before says, For behold, the Lord will come in fire, and his chariots like the whirlwind to render his anger in fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire will the Lord enter into judgment and by his sword with all flesh and those slain by the Lord shall be many. So a hard fact that we have to face here is that God is coming in judgment against this world. This is future 
that Isaiah is prophesying about, and it reflects on what Jesus Christ is saying in Mark. Yeah. Right? This is future judgment that's coming by fire. It's not something that's happening right now. Right. So it's worthwhile going back to Mark 9 and just considering, okay, yeah, what is the Lord Jesus saying? Well, you know, if your hand offends you, cut it off. And he's saying, you might need to take a serious action in your life to correct yourself right. on, on the road yeah. to the kingdom. And if you don't, then what's going to happen is you will be in Gehenna. Now, is that literal? No, the hands aren't literal. The worms aren't literal. The fire isn't literal. In fact, have you ever been to Israel, Tim? No, I never have. You can look at pictures of the Valley of Hinnom today, and there's green grass there. Oh, I have seen pictures of it. It's beautiful. Okay. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Place uh, I'd want to go for sure. <laughs> that's right. Must be a lot of organic material there. Nice green grass. Trees, <laughs> organic <so>. material. Yeah. <laughs> Over the years with all of the yeah. <laughs> garbage that was put there, I suppose. So what we have here is the Lord Jesus Christ, he's using this analogy to say there will be a judgment for those who don't correct uh, mm. their way of life. Yeah. But why does it say like unquenchable fire? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? So, I mean, I think we've got something that's final. So the Lord Jesus is saying, when I proclaim a judgment against you, it is an eternal judgment. It is an absolute judgment. So unquenchable means it can't be put out. Like it's going to happen no matter right. what you try to do. Right. So would the firemen show up with their hoses and the house is going to burn down to the ground anyway? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're not going to stop the unquenchable fire. Right. Yeah. Just like we won't stop the judgments of God. Right. And I think we can see that in Jeremiah chapter 7. We've got this fire here, and we'll see it's associated with God's anger and his judgment. So this is really God speaking about his people who were doing wickedly. And it says in Jeremiah 7 verse 20, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, mine anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place, upon man, upon beast, upon trees of the field, upon the fruit of the ground. And just look at this language. It shall burn and shall not be quenched. So what's right. going to burn and not be quenched? That's God's anger and his fury. And it's the land of Israel in this prophecy. Huh? Exactly. Which is not burning right now. <laughs> right, right. So it only stops when it's fully like annihilated all its fuel source, right? Right. And once God has made his decision of judgment, then that judgment is eternal, but not this yeah. place that's burning forever. I think that's really important to see what the effects of the fire are. My favorite passage is in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 1. Again, it talks about his judgment by fire, but just look at this language. This is talking about the great day of the Lord that Malachi is prophesying about. Again, a future time. It says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. So if you're like stubble, that's chaff, this very easily burning fire, right? But the effects of this, it will leave them neither root nor branch. When you talk about a fire, like a forest fire will usually burn the trees, but the roots will still be there. But this fire is so powerful and so intense, it's going to burn even the roots. 
And so all that's left is ashes, as it says in verse 3. And that's the effect of this. The unquenchable fire or eternal fire, because I've seen that language too in Scripture, right? Everlasting fire or eternal fire. Yes. You want a verse? Yeah. Yeah, let's go, let's go to a verse. <laughs> let's go to Jude 7. I think this one's quite remarkable to build on to this intense fire that you were talking about in Malachi there. It says in Jude 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah in the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Mm. Now, interestingly, Sodom and Gomorrah, very wicked cities, and they were destroyed by brimstone. In a way, they're destroyed by fire. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. And other passages will say it was done in a moment. And yet here in Jude 7, it says they were destroyed, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So how does that work? If they were destroyed in a moment by literal fire, but they are actually suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Well, I think it's exactly what we've already been talking about. The, right. the sentence of judgment is eternal. It's absolute. There's no stopping God's judgments here. Yeah. The effects of it are complete. Like, yes. Yeah. Sodom and Gomorrah was gone. It would never come back. It would be eternal for that. Yeah. Right. So that's helpful to get our minds around when it talks about an everlasting fire or eternal fire or unquenchable fire. All the same concepts that we're, we're right. talking about, right? And it's probably just worth circling back again and considering, okay, we've been talking about Gehenna. It's this valley just outside of Jerusalem. Why use that? Well, garbage was put there continually. The refuse of the city was put there continually. And so there was a fire that was continually going. Yeah. So it made perfect sense for Christ to use that analogy as a, a judgment that is an eternal judgment, an absolute judgment, one where the effects are absolute. So it's a warning against the complete destruction of God by judgment if we're evildoers or, or wicked. Mm. We saw that in our key verse that we quoted at the beginning of the podcast. It's Matthew 10 and verse 28. And this is a verse two that you kind of have to stop and just read carefully. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And again, in my margin there, it says that word hell is Gehenna. So he's talking about a destruction in hell, right? right? And the word destruction means to annihilate, to totally consume, right? In terms of persecution, like what we can suffer from men, like they can kill us. You can be put to death. So he says, don't fear anybody who can kill the body. He says, fear him who can kill both soul and body yeah. in hell. Now the him there is... It's got to be God, right? Yeah, God, so. God is the only one who has that power, as we've seen in the last podcast, right? To kill and to make alive again. Yes. Right? So even if our soul goes down into the grave, God can bring us back. But if he's not going to raise us, we're going to be destroyed in this final judgment. We're going to be annihilated. We're going to be completely gone. Right? Yeah. Exactly. I think that's what it's, it's saying yeah, that's how I'd understand it. I mean, any persecution or suffering that we may face today 
physically even, pales in comparison to whether or not God will grant us life or not. That should be our focus. I think that's um, that's what that verse is saying, is that God can give us life eternally, or he can put us to death eternally. Yeah, That's what yeah. we should be worried about. One final verse, Tim, in Revelation 20, verse 14. I think we got to go here. Just It kind of brings this discussion to a close a little bit. It doesn't actually use the word Gehenna here. It, it does doesn't, it? no. So if you search for the word, it doesn't actually come up. Like when I did a Strong's Concordance search on this, I said it's used by Jesus in the Gospels. It's used once in James, but like Paul or any of the other epistles, they never use the word. Right. But in Revelation never uses the word, but there is uh, the concept is here. It is. Once you see it. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's helpful that we've already had the discussion of yeah. okay, what why is fire used? Why is eternal fire used? Because we're going to see it here in Revelation 20, separated from the term Gehenna. Gehenna is not there. But really, the context of Revelation 20, briefly, is talking about, you know, there's this kingdom age, which is a thousand years. And at the very end, something happens. And that's what we'll read about in Revelation 20, verse 13. It says, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their work. So there's this last resurrection and judgment that's going to happen at mm -hmm. the end of this yeah. kingdom age. And then verse 14 says, and death and hell, or there's our word Hades, actually, yeah. which we know is the grave, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So we've got a, a lake of fire. What is that all about? <laughs> well, we've discussed, you know, what fire is. It's God's judgment. And ironically, death and hell or death and the grave are actually put in this lake of fire. It's a little bit of a funny thing to judge something that's not tangible or inanimate. Yeah, it's just like a state of being. Death is a state of being. Like it's an abstract term. Like right. How do you throw that into <laughs> yes. a lake of fire? It's right. uh, Yeah, it's meant to be symbolic. Exactly. That death is over. There won't be any more people going in the grave. Right, right. Yeah. And this fits the grand purpose of God, doesn't it? That yeah. Ultimately, he wants a whole group of people that are worshiping and praising him, that know him, and that aren't in a state of sin. And if there's no sin, then there's no need for death in a grave. Right. Yeah. Beautiful. So, yeah, that's the ironic thing, right? Hell, Hades, is thrown into the lake of fire. <laughs> Not that it is the lake of fire. Yes. And we see all these other symbolic things thrown into the lake of fire. There's a beast that gets thrown in there, a false prophet. Even the devil gets thrown into the lake of fire. Yes. It's not like he's ruling over the lake of fire or anything. He gets thrown there as... The final act of uh, destruction and, and annihilation. Yes. Of all of these things that these things symbolize in Revelation. Right? So that's the lake of fire. And the lake of fire is only mentioned here in the latter parts of Revelation. And just to bring it back around, when Jesus Christ said, as we ended our last podcast, he says, I have the keys of death and hell or Hades. Mm. And how he had this power to deliver us from this destruction that Revelation talks about, from being completely annihilated in hell. There's a hope and a promise there. 
through the resurrection that the grave cannot hold us there, that God will raise us up by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ in the last days. Then that vision should help build our faith and keep us going and wanting to know more about what the kingdom looks like. A great study, Josh. Really helpful. Definitely worth uh, looking into more. If you're on the podcast, you want to look in the show notes, we'll put some outline there and you can go back through these verses. I'll put the uh, list of verses that I was using, the complete set of Sheol and Hades in the Bible. And you can look through that and just, as we always say, you know, prove these things for yourself. Find them to be true and uh, have such a great hope and promise for us is really wonderful. So thanks again for the study, Josh. It's been great having you here. Absolutely. I really enjoyed that. All right. Great. Take care. We'd like to meet you. Every Tuesday night, we meet online for a Zoom Bible study. Come by and just say hi. It's an informal group discussion format where everybody is encouraged to ask questions and share their perspectives on the scriptures. I think you'll really like it. It happens every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To get the Zoom meeting link, go to our website at www.essentialbiblestudies.org and fill out the form. Speaking of questions, if you ever have a question about the podcast or the subject matter, then drop it on us at our website contact form. Again, that's www.essentialbiblestudies.org. Our goal on the Essential Bible Studies podcast is to glorify God and to encourage others in their walk in Christ. Think about how you could use the podcast. It's really easy just to ask a friend or acquaintance Do you listen to podcasts and hand them an Essential Bible Studies podcast business card? If you'd like to do this, then I'd like to send you one of our media kits. All you have to do is send us your mailing address using our website contact form or direct message us on Instagram or Facebook. We would like to thank the Book Road Christadelphian Ecclesia in Ancaster, Ontario, Canada for their support of this podcast. Until next time, my dear friends, may God help you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen.